0: at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson.
1: What does the Bible say about homosexuality and lesbianism? Today, such a topic is very controversial. People bring great emotion to discussing this. And what we want to do in tonight's study is to look at it not from an emotional standpoint, not bringing our own desires, whatever they may be, concerning this subject to the text, but to look at God's word objectively, to see really what does scripture say about this. And the reason why we're dealing with it is for one primary reason, and that is that there's a documentary coming out called 1946. Now, why that name 1946? Because in the year 1946, the Revised Standard Version of the Bible was published, this translation. And within this translation, there are those who claim that words such as homosexual found its way into the scripture for the first time. And this was the cause for people having negative views and thinking of homosexuality as a sin, as an abomination. Whereas in reality, from their point of view, if a proper word was used, a correct translation for these terms in the scripture, if those proper terms would have been used, we would not have the views that much of Christianity holds today. So this movie called 1946, is to try to set things proper in their mind. They call it a pursuit of truth in order to correct, set properly, the right view concerning homosexuality and lesbianism. The question is, are they correct? Is indeed the use of the term homosexual in a passage of scripture incorrect? Well, we're going to look at several passages of scripture, we're going to see what the word of God clearly outlines to see if homosexuality and le- lesbianism is acceptable to God or is it a sin and an abomination. So we're gonna begin in a well-known portion of scripture from the book of Genesis in chapter 19. Now this is the account of, of Sodom and Gomorrah. We know that, that God sent two angels to Lot, and they arrived, and they were staying at his house, and the men of that city came, and they wanted to lie with them. Now, the term lie is a Hebrew colloquium for having intimate relations, and what they are saying is, it's not homosexuality which God is condemning here, but homosexuality which is done by coercion or force. That's what he's condemning and not homosexuality. Is this correct? Well, let's look at some of their other claims before we turn and look at some key passages in the scripture paying close attention to how they're translated. For example, in 1 Kings 14 and 1 Kings 15, The the writer here is speaking about a a practice within idolatry. And what was that practice? Well, to go to a pagan temple and there were individuals there. The term that is used is Kadesh and Kadesha. What's that? Well, one is a masculine term referring to a male. The other one is feminine referring to a woman. And when people were doing idolatrous activity, many times a sexual act was accompanying this type of of pagan worship. And what would happen would be is this. They would go, they would pay money, they would make an offering, and in order to complete their so-called act of worship, they would perform a sexual act. Now, at these pagan temples, there were individuals. If it was a male, kadesh. If it was a female, kadesha. And they were were cultic prostitutes, both male and female. Now, what we know historically is this. There were men who were going to these places primarily, not women. And men could choose between performing a sexual act with a male or with a female. And this term, Kadesh, has to do with a man who is a prostitute who serves at these pagan temples and doing sexual acts with other men. Now, they say what is condemned here is the idolatrous context, not this act itself in the same way that, that the, the sexual relation between a male and female in this context is condemned. Why? Because it's done in idolatry, idolatrous practice and because of not being married. So it's not a covenantal relationship. That's what's being condemned and they say the same thing in regard to homosexuality. It's not that the act was being condemned by God, but the context. No covenantal relationship, not a marriage. It was adultery or fornication, and it was done within an idolatrous context. So this is their claim. But is it right? Well, let's look at some scripture from the book of Leviticus and chapter 18. Now, notice what God says here. Now it is true that he speaks and condemns, giving one's child, burning that child, putting that child to death for the purpose of idolatry. But when we look at this passage, whether something is done within the context of idolatry or not, it is still wrong. This is what God says, Leviticus chapter 18 and verse 22. We read, and with a male, you should not lie. And the next word is lying, and it speaks about the sexual act, lying with a woman. So if a man lies with another man as he does with a woman, it says here that such an act, we read, "toeva, he, it is an abomination. So it's not any context. Here it's clear that it's the act itself. Likewise, when we go also in the book of Leviticus and we look at chapter 20 and now verse 13, it says it in even stronger terms. We read, a man who lies with a male. So a man who lies with a male as a sexual act with a female. And the term here for a sexual act is the term mishkaveh. Mishkave is simply a term that speaks about what is done in the bed. And God says that such an act with a man as with a woman, so a male instead of a woman, once again, He says, To eva which means an abomination, both of them have done. And what's the outcome? He says, Mot yumatu they shall surely be put to death, die, and their blood, the mayhem bomb, their blood is upon themselves. So when we look at this from the Old Testament, it is clear, it doesn't matter what the context might be because God is condemning this type of behavior and he calls it an abomination, an abomination of sin which the punishment is the death penalty. So we need to understand what the word of God is saying. Well, now let's turn to the New Testament. What does the New Testament say about homosexuality and lesbianism? One scripture that we can go to is the book of Romans chapter one, verses 26 and 27. Now here again, you can look at the context, but it's not a context of idolatry, it's not a context of being forced. So what they claim concerning the passages in the Old Testament are not relevant for many other passages in the Old Testament and certainly not relevant here. When we read in Romans chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, these words, it says, on account of this, on account of this, this is this wrong view of God, rejecting him. He says, on account of this, God, he gave them into passions of dishonor. So the context here is a desire, a passion, which lacks honor, that is not pleasing to God. Furthermore, he says, and for their women. Now, first he speaks about lesbianism here. For their women exchange and exchange the natural use for that which is against nature. Likewise also, not only did women do this, but also men as well, leaving the natural use of, of the females, of women. And we read, pay attention to this, verse 27 in the middle of the verse, and they burned in their desires for one another, male with male, and then it says, they produce, they acted out, they did that which is shameful, and the recompense, the punishment which is, is necessary for their heir in themselves. it says, they are receiving." So when we look at this, it's clear. God is saying that a male who performs that act instead of with a woman, but with a male, that act in and of itself, in any context, in any situation, it is sinful. And it is an outcome of rebelliousness against God. Now, something that's related to that is transgenderism. The reason why I say this is in regard to rebellion God makes one male or female, but someone wants to rebel against God and disagree with what God has done, what he has created. They're saying, God's not going to tell me what I am. I make that decision. It's defiance. It's arrogancy. It is rebellion against God. Let's look And another passage of Scripture, also from the New Testament, I'm speaking here about 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Now, here is one of their claims. They make the the claim that words are translated incorrectly. Well, if we go back to the Old Testament passage from 1 Kings 14, 1 Kings 15, and also we find it in 2 Kings chapter 23 and verse 7, that same word for kadesh or Kadesha. Now, the reason why it's translated as a homosexual is because it's speaking about men who were there to perform homosexual acts within the context of idolatry. But now we're going into the New Testament. And notice what we read here, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And we can read a few verses, but the key one that I want to read for the sake of time is 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9. He says here, And do you not know that unrighteous ones? Now this gives us the context. He's talking about those things which are unrighteous. He says, or do you not know that the unrighteous, the kingdom of God, they will not inherit? He says, do not uh, be deceived. And then he tells us, he has a list here of some unrighteous individuals. And what is their unrighteousness? It begins by saying, nor those that are sexually immoral. So anything that is wrong sexually. Then he says, also, we're speaking about idolaters, adulterers, and then we have a word, malakoi. Now, they speak about this word that sometimes is translated either those that are effeminate or those who are homosexual. Now, what is the true meaning of this word? It speaks about one who is a male who displays and demonstrates feminine qualities that present themselves in different ways as a female instead of a man. And this oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes accompanies homosexual people. Men portray portray themselves in a feminine way. So this word, although it means someone who is very feminine-like, it can be translated and understood as referring to homosexual. And then the second word, and this is important because we have the word arsinochoitoi. Now, arsinochoitoi is two Greek words put together. The word arsine and the word kemai. Now, Kami has different forms, but what does it mean? Well, it is the Greek word, very similar to the Hebrew word for lishkov, which means to lie, to lie down, and it usually speaks of lying down in a specific way, not to rest, that would be another word, but lying down for a sexual purpose. Now, the word bed, is derived from this same root in Greek and so is sexual intercourse, this action. Also we have in in Hebrew something very similar using the term for, for bed as relating to sex. So the word here that they want to say has nothing to do with homosexuality but simply having to do with something that is immoral. But when we look at the word, and we do a proper word study of it, we see that this word, this word, arsinochoitoi, has to do with men lying, and the implication is men lying with one another, performing that sexual act. And therefore, when we read here, let's continue on, we'll go back and translate this entire verse, or do you not know that the unrighteous ones the kingdom of God, they will not inherit. Do not be deceived, because it says, and not, which means, nor will the sexually immoral, nor will the adulterers, nor will the, the, excuse me, idolaters, now the adulterers, nor the effeminate, nor, and here's the word for homosexual, A man that lies with another man. That's what it's saying. A male who does a sexual act with another male. That's why it's accurately translated as a homosexual. People can can make any statements they want, but when you examine the text, we see that the word of God is very clear. Likewise, in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 10, both of these words appear again. The word for a man demonstrating, portraying himself as a woman, this word malakoi, and also the term for homosexuals, this term arsino They both appear in 1 Timothy chapter one, also in a list of, of sinfulness. And you can look at verse 10 specifically. So the word of God is very clear about this. And those that are saying, oh, it is a translation problem, a lack of understanding, the original language doesn't speak to this, this is simply not the case. And let me give you another uh, term that many within the homosexual community and the lesbian community are using to justify what, what they want to do. And when they turn to the scripture their own actions, their own strategy for trying to justify themselves become easily exposed as false. Now, there's a Greek word in the New Testament and that Greek word is the word pais. Now pais speaks about a a child, usually not a small, small child, but in most cases it speaks about an adolescent. And what they are saying, and there's no, and hear this, there is no biblical basis whatsoever for their view. They're saying that when it speaks of a male, it speaks of a young man who is in a adulterous relationship with an older man. Well, this is not the case. Now, they will go to the scripture and say that there's a, an account about a, a centurion who had a attendant, a servant that was a young man. And they're saying that that this centurion, a Roman officer, was having sexual relationship with this young Jewish, presumably Jewish young man, probably an orphan, and, and that the fact that Yeshua didn't say anything against this and responded to this man and did his request and healed this young man is an affirmation of such behavior. This sickens me. To conjure up something that is false that's not in the text. This word pice does not ever, there's nothing in the New Testament that would cause one to have such a view of this word. And let me give you some examples of this. Where this word is used, by the way, This word pice in all of its form appears 24 times in the New Testament. So what should one do? They should look at these 24 occurrences, and I've done that, and see is there anything in the text that would point to this type of understanding of the word? And the answer is no, there is nothing in the text, and quite the contrary. There is strong evidence that such a view is simply conjured up in one's imagination, not rooted in anything related to the text. And let me give you some examples. Now, we don't have time to go through all 24, but let's go through a few of these so that we understand the use of this word and to see how ridiculous and wicked what their teaching is. For example, this word is used, let me give you the citations, in Acts chapter 3 and verse 13, Acts chapter 4 and verse 27, and Acts chapter 4 and verse 30. Now in three, these three passages, this word pious in a variety of different forms is used to discuss and describe Yeshua, that is Jesus Christ, as the son and servant of Almighty God, God the Father. So, are we to conclude from what they're saying that that God the Son was in an adulterous, homosexual relationship with God the Father? Obviously, that is, is an abomination to even think about something so wicked and so ridiculous. So, there's three examples where there's no way that one could get such a conclusion, and then, for example, in the book of Acts, chapter 4 and verse 25, we see that that David is called the servant of the Lord. Now, does that mean that this servant, same word, pious, is referring to David now being in a homosexual relationship with, with the living God? How wicked for people to, to put forth this word, within this context. And then another place that appears is in the book of Luke chapter one and verse 54. And here, God is speaking about his servant, Israel. So now we follow this ridiculous, wicked, offensive teaching. Israel is in a homosexual relationship. This is this marriage that, 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 that the Bible speaks of. How sad. Now, another one, In the book of John, chapter 4, we have something. We have a a nobleman, and this nobleman's son, his biological son, is, is sick. And what we find here is in verse 50, Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus of Nazareth, he says to this nobleman, Your son lives. Now, when he says son here, he uses the the standard, the normal word for son. But in the next verse, when this nobleman meets people from his village and and he inquires about his son, they say, Your son lives. And they use this word, pais. Now, are we to conclude that this father and son is also in some homosexual relationship. See, what we learn when you take a proper course on how to render the scriptures to translate and to understand the words, we find that these two words, the generic word for son, huyos, and the word here, pious, are being used as synonyms. That's why they appear one after the other. Now, another place, and this will be the final scripture that we have time to deal with, this same word pious is used in a feminine construction and this means it's a daughter and it's simply spoken of as the daughter of a mother where is this found in the book of luke chapter 8 and verse 51 so it just speaks about a daughter it doesn't have a homosexual or a lesbian context whatsoever what do we find? Unfortunately, there are those in order to justify their sin, will say anything, take things in the scripture that they know that most people, they don't have the background, the training to go to the original language, and because they get people who are just as wicked, but because they, they teach at some some prestigious, and I use that term very loosely, prestigious institutions that they'll say, well, here's the proof that they agree. The problem is this. They simply want to put forth their agenda, an agenda that is not in accordance with the word of God. So what does the Bible say about homosexuality and lesbianism? It says that it is a sin and it's an abomination. Now, we all fall short of God's glory. We all are sin, sinful, and therefore, just like anyone, whether it's fornication, whether it's adultery, whatever it is, that person needs to repent, and God's mercy will be given to that person and God will make them a new creation. Same thing for the homosexual and the lesbian, but it takes repentance, acknowledging that it's sin. If we don't embrace the standards of God, it is not repentance well i'm at a time i hope this short study helped to put the record straight concerning the word of god and this subject until next time may god bless you
0: well we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org again to find out more about us please visit our website